Hey everyone, you're locked into Nobody's Perfect, the place to learn from everyone else's mistakes so you don't have to make those same ones. Others' missteps are often the best teacher, from executives to job seekers and everyone in between. For localjobnetwork.com radio, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Today we'll center our conversation on the resume. Yes, it still has enormous significance in acquiring a job, but any error can quickly get it tossed aside. To help us point out the mistakes and look for ways to improve your resume, Joanna Patterson, Director of Career Education Center at El Verno College, has been kind enough to sit with us today. Thanks for stopping by, Joanna. Well, thank you, Tim. It is absolutely my pleasure. Oh, our pleasure as well. Get an expert's point of view here. Um, Really, to start things off, we'd like to ask you just to describe your position at Alverno and what your role is in, in terms of job seekers and, and the idea we're talking about today. Well, thank you. I will just share with you that at Alverno, there are three of us on the career education staff. We do work with our students through the whole spectrum of their education. We don't just focus on job seeking. which most students get focused on toward the end of their tenure. We like to start with them as freshmen. And we provide activities, events, and courses, which help them get focused on self-analysis, goal clarification, interaction. Um, You get jobs from people. So you need to be really comfortable meeting people. Um, And then, of course, as well as all the job-seeking tools and strategies. Right. And that's, you know, a big reason, obviously, we brought you in today is um, the idea of the resume. You'll find stuff where it says, you know, oh, it's not as important anymore and, you know, it has a a lesser significance. But from everything I've seen and talked to people, it still has that value. So we wanted to bring you in. And basically the first thing we'd want to check in with you on is, What do you feel the main purpose or the goal is of a resume? Well, a resume can often be your initial interaction or communication with a prospective employer. It can be your first work sample to Hmm. that employer. Um, But its main goal is to get you a job interview. (laughs) Sure. So in terms of that, then, are there cons or, or pros or cons, really, to having a resume versus filling out an application? Obviously, some places still have you do both. Do you see a pro or con to to one versus the other? I actually believe that in most cases you will be doing both. Employers design their applications so that they get the very specific information they are seeking. And typically they are seeking the same information from every candidate who is applying. Your resume is your opportunity to provide maybe some unique information that is, uh, again, it needs to be totally focused on the role for which you are employing, applying. But it is, it can be critical in a decision to bring you in. Sure. So I would recommend always having a resume. Right. Yeah, and, and I think that's a lot of the advice people have been given. You know, if you're just filling out an application, it doesn't hurt to throw on the resume. It's going to be more detailed, as you said. Absolutely. With that said, um, there are a number of different ways to kind of bring about the resume, to, to um, format it, so to speak. Maybe if you could speak on each of these, you know, things we had down are like chronological, functional, a combination of some sort. Maybe speak on one or two of them that, that you've seen or even what you would suggest doing. Well, I will share that one of the things we all have to keep in mind is that resumes are written for the reader. Mm. And in this case, it's prospective employers. And so they sort of hand us the rules. And the rules change uh, from time to time. 
Right now, functional resumes are not a big favorite among the recruiting community. Okay. Can you give us an idea why? Uh, Very often they believe, correctly or not, they believe that functional style resumes are used to hide some information or consolidate too much information, which may um, impair their ability to to really get a sense of your work history, etc. So what we tend to recommend is a hybrid between a functional, which should demonstrate some of your key achievements, skills, etc., with, of course, that chronological, which provides the the view of your work history, um, academic history, etc. Okay. So uh, for those maybe that aren't as versed in it, um, how would you describe a functional as far as how you would see it on the paper, or how you put it together? A functional resume and then a chronological one, I guess, is more obvious. But right. more when, when, you, when you say functional, what, what does that entail? Very often at the top of a functional style resume, after the contact information and the job objective, um, the writer just begins to list, I guess, a big section or a large uh, number of achievements okay. that may seem somewhat random to a, a recruiter who is looking to fill a specific role. Mm-hmm. So consequently, while you may be in that way, it, using that style, you are able sometimes to communicate a great deal of history. You may in some ways be watering down or distilling their sense of what your history is. Okay. All right. So, so basically what you've come across is employers prefer that chronological still because you're, I mean, obviously you're still putting in your skills and duties, that kind of thing, but it's just a a simpler format kind of for them, I would say. It is. Okay. Then with that resume, you know, whether it is chronological, functional, um, we could focus on the chronological just as a general rule, but what is the one area of the the resume that's just of highest importance that for sure has to be the, the best spot? Well, I would say it is the achievement statements you include which reflect your history of achievement okay. or your history of success. Mm-hmm. So with each role, a large mistake that um, resume writers sometimes make is to just sort of transfer their job description right. to their resume. Um, and consequently, what they are communicating is everyone in this role did these things. What you want to do with your resume, because it is your history of achievement or success, is indicate with within this role, doing these tasks, having these responsibilities, I made this happen. Okay. This is what you can expect me to bring to the table in your department or organization. So specifically in that area with the achievements, that's the biggest mistake you'll see is is really a lack of individuality and 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 portraying themselves in that light? Absolutely. One of the questions I hear a lot from people is that idea of the statements and what you list specifically, Uh, you know, because you have duties, you have skills, you have achievements or accomplishments that you have. Can you maybe touch on each of those, like what would be a pro or a con, um, or maybe you you need to phrase it in a way that's always geared towards an accomplishment or a skill? Because there's obviously some balance there. Maybe you can't, maybe you're not... uh, um, understand your position enough to translate a duty into a skill or an accomplishment. So how do you kind of balance all that stuff? Well, that's a really good question, and that is probably one of the major challenges. But but what you do do is incorporate those as well as you can into a statement that sort of indicates, okay, perhaps I coordinated a project, and 
more specific is better, but you, so mm-hmm. you could name a, a, the, the nature of the project or the title of the project. You could then incorporate the fact that you had a staff of three people with whom you were working. Mm-hmm. You could indicate the fact that the project was accomplished before the deadline, and you could also then incorporate what the results were. Sure. So if it was something that was designed to market an event, you could talk about the number of readers that you got that out to and perhaps how um, much you increase the participation or something. So with that, I mean, are you really focusing mainly on the achievements and the idea that they'll, they'll understand the skills you have? Or do you list specific skills? I mean, because I still feel like maybe you need something more. I, you know. There are times when someone is going to, so you might say, um, incorporate it or used my, so let's say you have some software. Sure or technical skills that are really important to the roles, yes, you're absolutely gonna get those in there. You may have a section on your resume that says related skills or relevant skills or technical skills or something like that, technical expertise. Mm -hmm. I really like it when, if you're marketing yourself, you are marketing yourself on your strengths. So you are not talking about something that you've dabbled with. (laughs) In your resume, you are presenting your history again of develop skills and achievements. Sure. So an ideal, and I, I think you're were, you were starting to allude a little bit, if, if you're including some sort of achievement that you've done or accomplishment to incorporate that skill into it, like you said, used, use my knowledge and functionality with this program to fulfill this project, that kind of thing? Yes. Okay. Yes. Good. So they're loaded. Right. They're short, they're terse, <laughs> they're staccato, but they're loaded. Okay. So with those statements, what do you see then are the, the biggest mistakes, most common mistakes? I know we talked about the idea that people just put down, you know, a duty versus what they achieved or how that skill relates. But are there any kind of other mistakes that it just doesn't work out well? You talked about like such as being short, concise, that kind of stuff. Um, what are maybe some of the minor mistakes that people still make with those statements? They do sometimes get too wordy. Okay. And that's very easy because you are trying to convey a, a significant amount of information. So you want to cut out phrases. You don't want to use adverbs. You want to be specific but also general so that a reader from diverse industries, readers from diverse industries can see how what you did transferred to their environment right. or will transfer to their environment. Well, it's interesting you brought up the idea of general, specific kind of thoughts because this was kind of a question that when I talked with the rest of our radio team about, they're like, oh, I don't know how you phrase that. But what I was thinking was that resumes do kind of leave area for variations of the truth. And again, I'm not talking about flat out lying by any means. But when you talk about those transferable skills, or maybe you worked in one industry and you want to find a way to fit that into the next industry, what do you advise somebody as far as trying to translate, say, for instance, myself, I started in the media and I went into teaching. So I'm transferring those skills over. I hadn't taught before, so I need to find a way truthfully to transfer those skills or, or those achievements over. Without lying, obviously, how do you advise people in finding ways to make previous experience fit into a new area that they're applying for? Well, that requires two really deep understandings. One is of what what you've done and what you want to do. Sure. And you yourself then have to be able to dissect what are the skills and the talents I need to bring to this new role. And with teaching, of course, speaking, communication. Right. 
probing, all of those are things you've used in both of both of the career directions that you are pursuing. So consequently, you're going to focus on that. You are going to talk about your ability to convey information in an understandable way or an accessible way to learners. Because in both of those roles, it sounds to me that that's what you were trying to do was help people use information effectively in in their goals. Right. Partly what popped in my head with this, and again, the idea of being truthful, but also being you know clever with how you are, are phrasing things. What always popped in my head is you know a, a person who's maybe a stay-at-home mom for a good portion of their their what would have been their career, you know, and they're applying for something and they put, well, I you know I had all these skills that I accomplished or or learned as a as a mother basically. Although and anyone who is a mother or father can have those skills. Does that relate in any way, those personal experiences like that? They can. Okay. They can relate as long as the person who is telling his or her story does it in such a way that the reader sees that it relates. Right. So we can't assume. You can't assume a reader understands what it takes to be a parent or any other role. Right. You have to spell it out, and you it's your job to spell it out in such a way that they understand that the things they're seeking – for that position are absolutely the skills you've used to achieve what you've wanted to achieve. Mm -hmm. And of course, this is also a time when one might consider what sort of volunteerism or community involvement um, that also speaks to how you have used skills, delegation. I mean, there are so many things that people use in so many different roles. And again, it's the job seeker's responsibility to make certain that they are conveying that message clearly. Sure. And with things like this, the idea of these, you know, transferring duties, achievements kind of thing into this new potential job. I mean, is that an area where, where you guys like at Alverno and other career center type places where you can kind of help that process along and, and speak with them? I mean, how does how does that kind of conversation go? We about? absolutely do. And okay. that is probably the number one thing that we have to help people recognize. In our case, students recognize that what they've done up to this point has contributed to the success they are now having. So making that connection is so easy for a job applicant to think, gosh, I bring, I, I have nothing to bring to the table. Right. I have just been at home, a stay-at-home mom, or whatever. People can diminish whatever their background is. And again, nobody got where they got without using some skills and some talent or developing some potential developing relationships. There are so many things that people do that do contribute to the success of an organization. Sure. And I think that's important that you bring that up because so many people do focus just a a one-track mind on, well, this is the position, this is the title, and I've done nothing that involves this. But the truth is you've definitely done something in your life, volunteer work, whatever, maybe a sport you played in, you know, or, or coached. Um, so I think that is important you bring that up. And let me just, I'll just interject also the Part of our role is to ask the right questions to get the the student or the candidate thinking along those lines. Sure, definitely. Sort of in that same kind of uh, realm, in, in talking about employment history and what you put on the resume, maybe the order, if it's chronological, or what you do or don't include, depending on how many jobs you've had and, and what maybe the meaning of each position was, what are some of the mistakes that people make regarding their employment history that maybe would hurt them on a resume? Well, sometimes not indicating that something was seasonal work 
mm. so that it just looks like it was a four-month right. job. <laughs> so again, that can be very individual, but what we want to make sure is um, our resume always has to tell the truth, but it has to tell the truth in an accessible way mm. so that the reader whether it's a human or a scanner, can make sense of it. And so, again, it's reverse chronological order. If someone is younger and has had a number of seasonal or summer jobs, we might indicate that seasonal, summer employment during high school, things mm -hmm. of that. We don't, depending on the age of the applicant, it will determine how far back in their history we'll go. And that is one thing that, I mean, obviously, mostly you're dealing with students that are about to go into the job force, but something with the employment history where, again, we know age discrimination is illegal, but it, it look, people are human, it's going to happen, there's biases. Is that a thing that somebody has to consider if they do have a lot of experience that they don't want to be weeded out just because, you know, they appear to be older? I mean, is that something that's a major concern? I will share with you that rule of thumb is resume needs to go back 10 years maximum. Okay. Now, younger writers can't go back 10 years because <laughs> that would put them in elementary school. But a job application is going to ask for a denser history. Okay. But a resume is presenting approximately 10 years of your career growth. Sure. One of the, the things that a reader uh, or a writer does have to keep in mind as well is that very often readers will expect that what you've done most recently is going to be most related to what they're seeking. Right. So it is important that you, again, get a really good handle on what the role and the expectations of the role are for which you are applying. And I don't want to throw you a curveball with this, but you, you brought up something that makes sense in that they expect the most recent employment history to be most relevant to what you're applying for. But in, in some cases, you know, you're in one industry, you bounce to something else, then you want to come back. How do you manage that as far as chronological functional? Because obviously, again, easy example is myself. Starting in media, going to teaching, going back to media, I would think I want to show them at the top my media experience, and then obviously the teaching helps. How would you go about that kind of thing? Well, and again, because we're talking reverse chronological right. order, you are going to have to reflect the most current might be your teaching experience. Mm -hmm. But what you're going to do as you present that information is focus on the role that you're going toward. Sure. And then that section may actually have fewer bullets or achievement statements in it than the current or the previous role in radio right. or media. So there's always a way to be honest and yet, of course, put the most um, pertinent information to the top of the resume so that the reader does see what he or she needs to see in that initial 7 to 20 second perusal. And for the most part here, we've been talking about like content and what you include. Um, in terms of design, you know, you want to stand out, obviously, because if everyone has the same cookie cutter type of thing, it, you kind of blend in. What's maybe a general rule of thumb as far as using design, whether it be fonts or size, uh, in terms of wanting to, to stand out, so to speak, or, and look professional, but not, you know, somebody looks at it, oh my gosh, I can't use this and throw it out. What's kind of the, the balance there? I am going to say quite perhaps boringly, <laughs> um, plain is best, mm -hmm. a little more simple is best. Mm -hmm. But what you do want to do in the content of your resume is direct the reader to your website, if you've developed some materials that would be of interest to them to your electronic portfolio. Sure. So you would incorporate that in the body of your resume, but you will keep your resume looking and indeed 
they are cookie cutters sure. because that's what readers expect. They yeah. want to know where they're going to find the information they need. And you mentioned, you know, the sending them to a website or maybe some sort of portfolio you have. So you're saying even if it's a resume for some sort of graphic designer, mm-hmm. advertising, still keep it simple. But if you want them to see, like, you, know, you do have this ability, get them over to that place, but keep keep the resume simple. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And that, you know, and that was and the question that comes up. That's why I wanted to check Yeah, and I think that's really important. And um, the other thing I would suggest is that I just said that about cookie cutter. I didn't honestly mean that because we wouldn't <laughs> want anyone to use templates. Sure. That they find. Right. You really do want to go to the trouble to design your resume in such a way that it does promote you that it will get read, and if the initial reader is a scanner, you want that to pass that right. that initial screen. Okay. Well, before we started recording, we were just kind of briefly talking about um, the idea of GPA, and um, it's kind of unique at Overnown. I can let you you know talk about that a little bit, but um, in terms of GPA and placing that on a resume, some companies say you know you shouldn't apply unless you have a 3.0 GPA or higher or whatever their standard might be. And it might be just to weed out some people, whatever their ideas. Um, I guess your general thoughts on on putting your GPA on there, the general thought to it, and then more specifically how it's a little different for um, students coming out of Alverno. Well, I will share. A GPA is still required on some applications, et cetera. Though many employers are allowing students to, if they included a GPA and it's not as, as high as the organization may typically require, they do allow a little space for someone to write an explanation or to make some sort of claim around the skills they've gained or whatever. A cover letter can often help with that as well, with that particular communication. A GPA is going to lose its glimmer pretty quickly after graduation. (laughs) So for a new grad, if they are so compelled, they may wish to include that Ours obvious, our grads at Alverno obviously are not, but one of the things that they're going to need to do is remove that probably within a year or two of okay. graduation after they have work experience because now they are showing, at that point, they have built a bridge from that student identity to the professional identity, and the success and achievement is going to come from what they've done on the job. Sure the learning they've had, et cetera, and it's not necessarily, and it's absolutely not going to be gra- um, graded with a letter grade. Sure. Just briefly with Alverno, you, you mentioned how, um, to me, that you don't, you guys don't use GPAs, and obviously there, I'm sure there are schools across the country that also do the same thing. If an employer is looking for a GPA, you know, say for somebody coming right out of school, and it, that just isn't the case at their institution, how do you handle that kind of situation? Um, because Alberto has an outcome-based education, a rigorous assessment um, <laughs> system, which I won't explain at this moment. That'll be another um, show. <laughs> uh, we do. We uh, Many employers in the greater Milwaukee area are aware of this about Alverno. Um, our students do not, cannot put a grade point average on their resume. Most of our majors do not give them grade uh, points or averages. So consequently, they do have to market themselves on their achievements, academic achievements, uh, internship achievements, work history, volunteerism, student leadership. Mm -hmm. The things that really indicate to a prospective employer that here is a person who can make things happen. We are starting to get a little low on time, but I want to make sure we hit on a couple more things here. So I um, want you to go into detail as much as you can and, and don't worry about that. So the one 
one of the two things I want to check with you about is in terms of job seekers writing that resume and making sure that they stand out in some way or really get their put their best foot forward, what's the best way that they can avoid burying that really relevant, interesting information? Because you're going to have a number of statements and, you know, there are dates possibly and you have titles. How do you make sure that that most pertinent information, the one that puts you in the best light, really ends up standing out to somebody who is looking over all these resumes? Again, honestly, the information at the top of your resume or near the top of your resume, the information that a prospective employer is seeing first is the information that will induce them to read further. So it is important that the top of your resume or with your first employment or with a section, maybe a professional summary or something, you are letting the reader know very directly how you are the best fit mm. and how why it is so important that they call you in for the interview. Sure. And along those same lines, and it's, it's going to be a more general idea, obviously, but whether you're a student getting ready to go in the workforce or you're somebody who's you know, looking for another place of employment, you sit down, you have that blank piece of paper in front of you, you want to put together just the best resume possible. What is the best piece of advice you can give to them before they even start manipulating their skills or trying to you know, make everything kind of fit together well? What's your best piece of advice that you can give them before they even start? Well, honestly, I have several thoughts that are sort of cascading through my mind. Um, well, you can, give them, you can give them all. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm I sure there is a lot. I love this quote from Tom Jackson, who wrote a resume guide titled The Perfect Resume. Okay. And his piece of advice was, before you start one word on your resume, sit back and get in touch with your magnificence hmm. because your resume is indeed um, your history of achievement and accomplishment. What I um, really am thinking is if you know your goal and your objective, what it is you're going after in terms of your career, it is very helpful in terms of then what do I need to let prospective employers know about me? Sure. If you have studied the job um, postings, and sometimes that's the best place to start, just mm -hmm. really take a look. What are they requiring, requesting, et cetera, and start thinking about that. The other thing people sometimes do is sit down. They've procrastinated. They haven't really given their resume very much thought, and suddenly they sit down and think, I've got to write my resume today. Mm -hmm. Well, best case scenario is you might write sections of your resume period for a while that's one of the reasons we start so early with students in the the whole career development process so that by the time that you need to write a resume you really have something that's perhaps a little long or whatever but from which you will be pulling the most salient points to specific job objectives or right. specific jobs that right. for which you are applying sure and I will tell you one of the worst mistakes that um, job seekers make is thinking that they can have a one-size-fit-all canned resume. Sure. It doesn't work. <laughs> Good. Well, great. Unfortunately, that is going to do it for us today on Nobody's Perfect. We want to thank again Joanna Patterson, Director of the Career Education Center at Alverno College, for kind of helping us guide our way through uh, some of the pitfalls that we might come across. So it was great having you here, Joanna. Thank you, Tim. It was truly, again, my pleasure. Also, be sure to check in to localjobnetwork.com radio to continue your learning process. And if you have any comments or suggestions, please email us at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Yuma, and remember, nobody's perfect, so please watch your step. <laughs>